Okay, let's, let's continue with the remainder of our service. I'll invite you to take your seats again. Just a couple of announcements before we get going here. Um, I, I will be here next Sunday, but I will be away during the week. We are, we're taking our kids out to Vancouver. We're going to show our boys where they were born, and we're going to do some touristy things there. So if you're looking for me, I will not be around in the office this week, but I will be here speaking again next weekend. So that's just a heads up. Second announcement. A couple of years ago, when, when Noah went to YWAM, um, the, the church really rallied around him and, and supported him and sent him there. And there was a, a large financial gift that was given from the congregation. We opened up a special project and, and you were very generous. And it was possible for Noah to go to YWAM because of your generosity. And then in the intervening period, actually very recently, what we discovered is that it's not actually a legitimate thing to do to be able to issue tax receipts for people to, to raise money for something like that. And we went, oh no, because now we have two people going to YWAM and a generous congregation. And the problem is we can't give you a tax receipt for it. Okay. So the question is, will you be generous without getting anything in return? Because we have two people going to, to, to YWAM this year, Dallas Kadju and Kate Stober are both going to YWAM, and they're going to send out information on how you can still give, but the giving will not be going through the church, okay? And YWAM, if you give to YWAM Canada, they give you tax receipts, but they're not going to Canada. They're going to the States, and there are tax laws that, that um, don't allow you to transfer donations and get tax receipts for something that's going to the States. And so we were out of step, uh, unfortunately, a couple of years ago, and Noah was the beneficiary of that. The question is, now that we are in step with what the government says we can and cannot do, will we still be equally generous? Because we do believe that we are, we are actually sending a couple of, of our people to go on missions. And they do good work. And, and the fruit that we have seen in Noah, but then also through that time there, both abroad and here, um, I think more than paid back whatever was paid out. So will we, will we invest and sow into that ministry? I, I encourage you to pray about that and to ask the Lord, how generous do you want me to be with each of these individuals? Because we will see kingdom fruit as a result of it. So I encourage you to pray about that and bless you in your generosity towards those who, not just to, towards Dallas and towards Kate, but towards those to whom they will minister. Um, because this is, this is missions training followed by missions work. Um, so we're going we're gonna to pray for them and bless them in that. And I'll, I'm just going to do that even now. Lord, you say that the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to you. Lord, would you make sure that these two who are going as, as Unity Baptist representatives on the mission field have all of the support that they need because you are rich. And Lord, you, you entrust your riches to your people. And so Lord, with what we have received from you, would you now um, prompt us to give freely without expecting anything in return except the spiritual fruit that comes from you working through your people. Lord, would you multiply and would you provide? And would you equip them not only financially, but spiritually as well? 
and send them out to be a light where light is needed, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the people who bring the good news, the gospel of peace. Lord, would you make a way? We know that you are provider. Would you provide generously for these two? In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite Kevin Bender up, and he's going to give some council updates specifically around our building, Hope Mission, and Dream Center. Cordless one there. So I just want to give an update based, or for those who weren't here at the annual meeting, I shared that there were a couple of caveats on our title to transfer that we're, we're transferring over to Hope Mission that Hope Mission wanted removed, the, the NEB had on. And so they were called gift mortgages. One was about 4,200, the other about 48. And they dated back to the inception of this uh, church, 1981 and 1985. And so we didn't know how to proceed. So through the whole process of it, we were, I was in contact with NEB in Sacramento. And the CFO initially said, well, typically the way those work is that when the church dissolves or ceases to exist, whatever, those have to be paid back along with interest over that period of time, which kind of shocked us. But um, he said his calculations would put that close to $100,000. And when I looked at the numbers, I thought, well, that only looks like one of them. Two of them would be double that. But in any case, uh, I talked to Terry Fawson, and he was quite—he was fairly optimistic that we wouldn't have to pay all of that back, uh, maybe just the original amount. So I heard from the executive director, Dr. Harry Kelm. He asked me to write a letter just outlining the process of what we've done. And so I did that. I sent him a copy of that, which then went to the governing board of the NEB. And so the chairman got a copy of that. Terry, fortunately, sits on that governing board, Terry Fawson. And so he's well aware of what process. He was involved in some of the discussions we had with Hope Mission. And so we heard back from them. They decided unanimously to forgive it all. So we don't have to pay any of it back. And so we can proceed now with transferring the property. Uh, yes, no, two days ago, I was... Uh, the engineer, Gary Corzan, called me and they were trying to get a hold of the law. The lawyers were trying to get things sorted out, but I think our lawyer is away. Um, but anyway, I'm hoping to hear from him this week so that we can get the paper signed and things transferred over. There's one left yet, and that's the, the office space here, the portable. But it sounds like Hope Mission is willing to take that over on their caveat, and then that'll be moved out um, prior to demolition or at the time of demolition. So that's kind of the progress of Hope Mission and us here, which brings me to the next point. Um, and Ben informed me this week that we will be meeting at the Dream Center for services for the foreseeable future, the first Sunday being August 6th. So that means our last service here in this building will be July 30th of this year. So it's, it's coming quickly. In the meantime, or I guess after that time happens, we're planning to get a, um, an auctioneer in to list or put things or st stickers on everything in here that might be of value to people and, and then that will sell, sell off what we don't need or won't be using because the rest will just be demolished. So that'll be happening in the next two months, I imagine. Once the papers are signed that we transfer the property over, then Hope Mission has to do some environmental work, some 
soil testing. I'm, I'm not sure all what they have to do before they can actually proceed with demolition and construction. So that's kind of where we're at for now. For July 30th, we're planning to have a barbecue, potluck, whatever here at the church. Both a uh, kind of mixed emotions, but celebratory, but also, you know, this is the end of a end of a an era in, in one sense. So we would we were wondering. I just talked to Ben br uh, briefly before this. If there's somebody that would be willing to volunteer to step up and just coordinate that day, so coordinate food or who's going to do what and and whatever. If there's somebody that's say, hey, I can do that, or I'd like to help out with that, please uh, step forward. We would love your help. We don't want to leave that on Ben or Christina to look after. But if somebody just thinks that, hey, I can I can do that, or I'd like to help out with that, please let us know and. We'll go from there. Is there anything else? I oh, um, just an update from our council meeting. Just going to bring it up here again. Well, that that was from the council meeting, but there's a few other things I think I needed to mention. Oh, I think that's it. Just other than we welcomed Ralph Fears into membership, so he he's not here this morning, but we just wanted to mention that as well. And oh, and then all Ben asked me if I would pray. Uh, for the next little while of what we're, what's going to be happening. So I invite you to join me as we pray. Father God, we thank you that you are good. Thank you for the ways that you have moved amongst us, the way you have led us, the way you've opened doors and closed doors. We thank you for the way you uh, forgave this mortgage or looked after that, that we don't have to... Um, you strapped with a financial obligation there. I thank you for the understanding of the NEB and their vision, along with ours, of this ministry moving ahead. I thank you for the Dream Center and for their willingness and their openness and their excitedness in having us there. And Lord, we pray that, that that transition would go well, that you'd prepare us for that as we look towards the end of our time in this building. We pray that... Um, we would just really enjoy the last few weeks we have here. I pray you'd prepare us for moving ahead and all the things that need to happen with the auction and moving and selling the things out of this building. Lord, we, we love you, we honor you, and we pray that you would continue to guide and lead us as we move forward in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Kevin. Um, I just I was reminded of something as he was just sharing there about this is going to be our you know we're down to our last few weeks in this building, and um, that has both an exciting side to it and a, a saddening side to it. And I just want to acknowledge that both are okay to experience. Okay, we we're looking forward to something good, but it it it, it does not come without cost. And, and so I too am grieving with you as, as many of you have worshiped in this space for decades. Um, I, I, I am going to miss pacing these, these halls and, and this sanctuary all week long in prayer for you. And what am I speaking on this Sunday? And, and this has been a place that has blessed me too. And so I, many of you have been here much longer than I have, but, but I grieve that. And so if I'm grieving it, I'm sure many of you are as well. Um, sacrifice involves, is, is a cost, involves cost, right? But it, it also involves gain. And so we're going we're gonna to acknowledge both. And so it is okay if you are experiencing both there.
our message this, uh, this morning is, it's not going to be that long, but it is actually going to focus. We're going to look through John and the, the next passage that we're at, but we're going to look at it specifically through the lens of what God is doing here and the way he's leading us um, in specifically with respect to Hope Mission and the Dream Center. Okay, so keep those two things in mind. I do think that it trickles down and, and touches us individually in your day-to-day lives, whether you're a student or a parent or whatever else. Um, but we're going to look at it primarily from that perspective. I'm going to focus on that so that we, we get more of God's heart for this next step for us. I have a friend um, whom I will not name, but my, my friend has a, a sign up in their, their house. It's kind of a sarcastic thing. And it says, children, the gift that keeps on taking. The parents laughed. And there's something in that. Um, Maturity, growing up, involves a transition from taking to giving, right? In in recognizing that we're part of a team and that that team doesn't work if everyone is a taker, right? The the team works because we, we give and we look after one another. And giving involves sacrifice. Giving involves cost. We have to learn to embrace sacrifice and embrace cost in order to experience the gift that comes with it. If we, if we selfishly look at only what we are giving up and grumble about it, we will not actually get the gift that comes out of sacrifice, the gift that it is to ourselves as well. Children are a gift right? that we sacrifice for. The same thing is happening on a much larger scale here. There's sacrifice involved and there's suffering involved. Um, This man gave up everything. Dietrich Bonhoeffer gave up everything and lost his life in order to help the church and Jewish people navigate the Nazi regime in a way that honored Jesus. And just before his arrest, just before he was arrested and sent to prison for a couple of years before he was executed, he wrote this. We have to learn that personal suffering, or you could insert sacrifice here, we have to learn that personal suffering is a more effective key, a more rewarding principle for exploring the world in thought and in action than in personal good fortune. There's something about suffering and sacrifice that opens up a way of navigating the world the way Jesus did, which becomes a gift to us that is better than personal good fortune. So I'm going to read this to you one more time. We have to learn that personal suffering is a more effective key, a more rewarding principle for exploring the world in thought and action than personal good fortune. This guy was actually quite wealthy and he was upper crust in society, upper class. So he's actually speaking from experience, not just speaking from theology. He's speaking from experience here. We are about to sacrifice here. It is a sacrifice to move from a space that is ours 
into a space that is someone else's as we go to the Dream Center and worship, and we will be guests in someone else's home. Now, will we be children or will we be parents there? The gift that keeps on taking, or are we going to find ways to give? Either way, it's going to be a sacrifice. And as, as the Hope Mission Center is built here, we will still very much be guests in someone else's home. They own the building and the land. Right? We will worship in someone else's space for the foreseeable future. And that's a sacrifice. And it, that, a sacrifice costs us. Bonhoeffer actually, in this quotation, went on to say, you only get the gift if you avoid bitterness and if you recognize that it's in the cause of something higher. Are we going to be bitter about our sacrifice or are we going to embrace it because it is for something higher and it is for someone else? See, we didn't go into this hope mission partnership and joint venture for what we could get out of it. Unity has enough space here right now that we don't need more space. Unity currently has enough money in the bank that we don't need to save money. We're not going into this for what we can get out of it. It's a sacrifice. And it is a sacrifice because we see that there is a ministry that can go forward in greater measure that is not our ministry. And we can sacrifice some of our comforts that more people might hear the gospel in this particular neighborhood. That's why we're entering into this. We're not getting more out of this. We're going to give and see that there's fruit as a result. Okay? Are we going to do the same thing with the Dream Center? They have opened the doors for us. They have blessed us to come in. Right? Are we going to be takers? Or are we going to look for ways to give to them too? Okay. That's the background. You know what? Maybe I'll just reinforce that YWAM point. Are we going to give sacrificially to someone else? You know, if we're doing it at the hope mission level, will we do it at the YWAM level? Maybe more on that later. We'll see. Okay. Would you go to John 12, please? I'm going to read this a section at a time. I'm going to start at verse one. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him and Martha served. Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table and Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii? 300 denarii is 300 days wages. So the bulk of your year, your salary, whatever that is, why was this perfume not sold 
for the bulk of your salary this year and the money given to the poor. Now, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and he kept the common person. He used to steal what was put into it. But Jesus said, leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. I'm going to pause there. This act of profound love and profound sacrifice cost Mary deeply, right? I'll mention the financial sacrifice, but it goes deeper than that. So 300 days wages. So what, from January 1st to, what is that, sometime in October maybe? It would be 300 days. So your salary since January 1st and for the next couple of months too, are you willing to pour that out at Jesus' feet and not get it back? Because she didn't get any of it back. It's a profoundly costly sacrifice for her. But it cost her socially too. To let down your hair as a woman, it would be the analogous to, to a woman standing up here right now and hitching up her skirt as high as it would basically go. It's that scandalous in that culture. And she's sitting at his feet where only the men belong because Martha's in the kitchen. It cost her socially to do that. And it's an embarrassing act of love. Radical love will lead you to embarrassing situations. This is a radical, radical act of love. And it is a radical sacrifice on her, on her part. The sacrifice that we are making here, like I said, exceeds what we are going to get out of it. But will we view it from the perspective of we do this not even just to give it to hope mission, but to give it to the kingdom, to give it to the king? So, that, so can we take a kingdom perspective so that this, this gospel work in Red Deer, in North Red Deer, in Normando can go forward? Will we make that kind of radical love sacrifice? I hope that's what we're doing. Let's go to the victory parade. Verse 12. The next day, a great crowd had come to the festival and they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they then remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard he had performed this sign that the crowd went out to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, you see, you can do nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. This is a victory parade. You notice the words that they, they use? Look, the king is coming. And they, so they, they throw out, they, they initiate the celebration that says a king is coming into the city. That, that's their act. And Jesus agrees with it and initiates another kingly symbol by, by getting a, a donkey's colt and riding on it. And they didn't clue into it at the time what that means, but it comes out of Zechariah 9.9. 9. 
I, I'd encourage actually some of you to go to Zechariah 9.9 right now. If you go to Zechariah 9.9, you will see that it, it is only, only the first part and the last part of the verse are quoted here in John. Look, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Your, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. What's left out are the middle lines in that quotation. It's sort of like if I say to you, fill in the, you would say, blank. I saw one person do it. It's a fill in the blank exercise where the people who know the text complete the thought in their heads, even if it isn't written there. Okay? They know the passage. And what's left out is something that describes the king being victorious. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem a victorious king. And in the crowd's minds, what they are looking for is a king who is going to conquer and kick out the Romans. And they couldn't be further from the truth. It is going to be a victory that Jesus accomplishes, but it's going to be a victory based on self-sacrifice. This king is about to become victorious. He's about to win by dying. It's, it's self-sacrifice. Unity, will we look towards what's happening here as self-sacrifice where the kingdom will win. The kingdom will win as we give up, as we get lower, as we divest ourselves and give up the things that are, are ours. This is a king who had everything, and he gave it all up. And he gave it all up, and in giving it all up, he wins. Will we do the same here? Because look what the result of it is. Go on to the next section. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and they said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. So I'm telling Jesus, Jesus, there are some Greeks here who want to see you. And Jesus' response at first glance doesn't even look like it's responding to what they say. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life will lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor who are the Greeks? Who are the Greeks? Look around the room, friends. Greeks is a way of saying Gentiles. These are our people who come to Jesus and say, we want to see Jesus. They're the outcasts in Jewish society. Remember how the temple is set up? In the temple, only the priests get close to God. And after that, the Levites. So the religious people, all men. And then there's a court around them, and that's for the men. And then there's a court of women, 
And then there's a court for the Gentiles. It's the furthest place you can possibly get from the center of where God's presence is in the temple. That's what Jewish people thought of the value of Gentiles, us. We are outcasts, not welcomed into the center of the presence of God. And our people come to to Jesus' disciples and say, we want in. And Jesus' response to how our people are going to get in is to say, I have to die for that to happen. That's why he says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. We are here today knowing this God represented in Jesus because he died, because he sacrificed. We were the outsiders, the outcasts. We weren't on the inside. But there's even more to it than that. Jesus, by saying what he says, is indicating that he sees that as as Gentiles come to him, it is a sign of what will happen as a result of his sacrifice. The grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies and it bears much fruit. The gospel is about to go out to our people, all because Jesus sacrifices. And he sees, it's like a prophetic, symbolic act where Jesus, through, through kingdom eyes, recognizes God always wanted to bring in the Gentiles. And as soon as he sees these first Gentiles coming, That is the sign that history is about to move all the way to the cross and history will change as a result. And he looked forward to us, to outsiders becoming insiders because of self-sacrifice. Will unity take the perspective of self-sacrifice will bring in outsiders. As we go down into the inner city to worship and into a place where addicts are starting along their journey of recovery, and will we welcome them, having them already welcomed us? Or are we going to go there and see what we can get out of their their worship space. I hope we're going to go there with the idea that, no, we are going to be prepared to sacrifice that outsiders might become insiders because that's what happened for us. A sacrifice was made and outsiders become insiders. Will we go there prepared to sacrifice? So will you go out of your comfort zone when you see someone around the room that you don't recognize and say, I will go out of my way to welcome you that you might become an insider. Will we do that? It's costly. It's self-sacrifice, and it is for outcasts. And it only bears fruit if it's not about us.
But if we actually die to ourselves and we enter into this next leg of the journey, not focusing on what we have lost, but focusing on what this is for other people, that we sacrifice for the sake of other people, there will be fruit multiplied that we cannot even imagine. That is what we are entering into in this season, unity. That is what God is calling us to enter into because that is the way of the cross. So that's why we have these symbols. I got the gluten-free stuff, it's better. That's why we have these symbols because the way of Jesus is the way of self-sacrifice for the sake of the fruit that comes as a result that we are in the room when we shouldn't have been in the room, right? We're here today because Jesus made a sacrifice to make outsiders insiders. So would you take your elements and out of deep, deep love for his costly sacrifice, would you please take body and blood in remembrance of him? I'm just going to close with a question. Having gained from his sacrifice, will we follow his example? Having gained from his sacrifice, will we follow in his example that others might receive? Let's pray. Lord, it is out of gratitude that we come to you. Having received from you life and everything that we need, you have been provider. You are our savior. And astonishingly, these things come about not by by you giving out of your abundance, but by giving everything. Giving it all up. Making yourself nothing. Giving up even your life that we might know you. Lord, would you make us a community that will follow you all the way to the cross, Would you make us a community that comes to see that that it is better to view life through the lens of sacrifice and suffering because that's the way you went than it is to view life through what can I get? Lord, would you make us people who grow up, who move from takers to givers? Lord, would you make us a people who discover the joy of Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and made the ultimate sacrifice. Lord, I I pray that you would grow us in this, that we might empty ourselves and be filled with you that we might empty ourselves and see lives transformed as a result. To, To see young people sent to YWAM, 
to see addicts blessed, to see families fed and the good news going around the neighborhood because something died that something else might live. Lord, would you give us kingdom lenses, help us to have that chess mindset to see through your eyes, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your sacrifice. May we spend the rest of our lives giving back to you and to others in a response of gratitude because you gave everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue in worship. Go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit carry you through this week. This week, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, my friends. Thanks for being here.